Hello, welcome to another DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches, Trashy Books, and with me is Jane Litt from Dear Author. Today we are answering reader mail or listener mail about recommendations. We talk a little bit about what books you should read if you really like the world building in the last hour of Gan, or maybe you just really are into lizard dudes. Either way, Jane's going to hook you up. We also have a discussion about a few other things, including romance novels, which I presume you were expecting. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, who would like you to know about Before You Break by Christina Lee. Don't miss Christina Lee's brand new ebook, Before You Break, a beautiful and emotional new adult romance about a bad boy on the edge and the girl who's about to fall hard. On sale February 18th. I will have information at the end of the podcast about that book and about the music that you're hearing. But now, on with the podcast. We are starting this week with a letter from Maeve, and Maeve writes, Dear Sarah and Jane, I'm a longtime listener to your great, great, great podcast. Thank you both very much for having such terrific, funny, and engaging discussions about the romance genre. You're totally welcome. I'm writing to you with a very important request. Last year, I went through a huge reading slump and didn't read a novel for about four months, and every story I picked up, I didn't finish because I didn't find it very engaging. This was primarily due to me coping with the final year of my PhD. I have just submitted my thesis this past month, woohoo, and I'm looking for some great novels to relax with. I lean more towards Jane's taste in books, and the last book I read and finished was The Last Hour of Gan. I had never read anything like that before, and I was captivated by the world building and the characters, although the book did have some flaws. So please can you help me find some books that are engaging, where the couple don't instantly dive into bed together, where they have conversations and interact and preferably don't have a happy ending in a week. The PhD has ruined my brain and I find all of that sort of stuff unrealistic, but lizard people are okay. Any recommendations would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time from Maeve. Maeve, grab your pen because here comes Jane with recommendations. Well, uh, you could read other Arlie Smith books, but they're not always very romantic. I, I recently read a book called Impossible Things by Kate Somebody. I would recommend that book with some caveats. One of the caveats is that the heroine is a, a real Mary Sue. Like Her picture could be by the definition in the Wikipedia entry. She is a... <laughs> she's a... Uh, slave, and she's discovered by a warrior from the empire. And he notices that she has markings on her body, three different ones. And those markings he recognizes as a chosen marking, because he has two of them himself. And it means that he, that she's a descendant of someone who was gifted, and that she has gifts herself. These gifts are dormant unless they are used in conjunction with crystals. So uh, he takes her and uh, takes her back to the empire uh, where she's trained as a healer, seer, and warrior, first female warrior, uh, also blind, and is able to uh, essentially leap tall buildings with a single bound. But it kind of has that interesting world building. It's a very slow burn. Um, which I think you'd find in The Last Hour of Gan. I think The Last Hour of Gan is such a tremendous work that it, you're really hard-pressed to find something that's so similar. The other book that I'd probably recommend is Warlord by Elizabeth Vaughn. I think that those uh, it, 
kind of melds the two cultures together, as um, Smith did in Gan. Gan is a really epic book, and if you read, I think there's about two or three books that are loosely threaded together for the Warlord series by Elizabeth Vaughn. So you might kind of get that same sort of epic feel from that those three books. Uh, although you only really need to read the first one, Warlord. The other two just aren't as strong. The other books uh, that maybe fit would be C.L. Wilson's uh, fantasy series. But that, while the couple isn't to, doesn't fall in bed together right away, it it uh, is premised on this mate bond, this instant recognition between the hero and the heroine that there's something that draws them together. While they don't fall in bed together right away, there is a kind of supernatural bond for the two of them. So those are kind of the uh, recommendations I would have. There isn't any one book that I think is the perfect if you like for The Last Hour of Gan, but these are my best uh, approximations. One of the things that you talked about with The Last Hour of Gan was the world building and how it was a very long and slow development, but you fully believe that you were in a world with lizard dudes. Is the world building the thing that you think transfixes books, transfixes readers mostly about that book, or is it the combination of factors? Oh, it, it's it's the characters. For me, it's the characters. I mean, the world building is really tremendous, but part of the world building is is the are the characters themselves, right. the biped lizard as the superior being in the book. I mean, I felt like Smith was so clever in how she presented the characters of uh, phenotypical uh, characteristics. When the when Murak thinks about Amber, he thinks about how ugly she is, how soft her skin is, how she has hair all over it, how she's unprotected. And none of these things are appealing to him because he's a lizard. When <laughs> we're in Amber's point of view and she looks at Miorak, she's intrigued by him and she's not put off by his physical appearance at all. So the lizard people are actually presented as the superior looking beings in this world, which I thought was a really clever way of, of making those people palatable. There's this great scene really late in the book where Amber's brought to uh, a lizard lady and the lizard lady is this high ranking woman. She looks at Amber and she's like, trying to find some way to compliment her. And so she's like, oh, <laughs> Amber, what a beautiful name you have. <laughs> so, I mean, she carries that consistently throughout the, the book. So the world building isn't the trees or the landscape. It's the political structure. It's how the characters interact with each other. You know, Miorak is this warrior uh, priest and how he speaks and thinks all the, throughout the entire book like he when he comes upon amber's group he at first he um thinks that they're like bugs and um <laughs> and uh then he realizes they can speak and he thinks to himself well when a dumac a woman gives birth they don't speak right away and so they learn to speak. So maybe this is a new species that God has just created, and uh, he has put them in my path, and I'm to learn something from him, them. And so 
everything that he does as he goes along is is based upon something of uh, based on his religion, his belief in this God Sheol and how Sheol always directs his path. And at one point, Amber gets really sick and he goes out to find um, a drug, uh, a, a plant-based drug. And he uh, comes across it and he thinks, well, even though this is a of the of Gan, kind of like of a, a demonic sort, Sheol must have put it in my path. So it's just how she's so consistent in how she created these people, these lizard people that submerses you in the story. So it's not the world building is is wrapped up in the characterization of the individuals. Do you think that's also true of Nalini Singh's world that the characters are a major part of the world building? Oh, yeah. I mean, if world building, if all you're thinking about is the political structure and the landscape and and the different species, that that doesn't go very far. It's right. It's very flat. It's uninteresting. It's like it's like a terrain Um, might be interesting to look at, but it's not going to be something you remember. Right. I have to confess, every time you talk about the last hour of Gan, I pictured Jar Jar Binks for the hero. (laughs) (laughs) That's really not working. (laughs) Okay, this next message is from Bobby, who writes, I have been following both of your blogs for a number of years now. It is so great to have a community of people who don't think that your IQ drops 20 points when they find out you adore romance novels. So frustrating. I mean, really, what is so terrible about a happy ending? Girl, I hear you. Anywho, I love many genres, but romantic suspense is my favorite. However, it is often a difficult genre to find good books due to a few factors. The first is the Too Stupid to Live heroine. Romantic suspense is overloaded with them. Also, either the romance or the suspense suffers depending on the author slash novel. I also really, really don't like the special ops books, spy drama, or terrorist stuff. That's just really not my cuppa. I'm a social worker and work with veterans with disabilities, and I'm ever so grateful for their service, but I'm getting kind of tired of the Navy SEAL overload in romance. I'm just looking for good run-of-the-mill, serial killer, slightly lesser criminal running around committing murder and mayhem. Yes, I know I have issues. Authors that I love include Laura Griffin, Karen Rose, Brenda Novak, Shiloh Walker, and Deborah Webb's Faces of Evil series. I know Sarah probably can't help me much in this area given her aversion to violence, but Jane seems bloodthirsty enough that I'm hoping she or fellow readers might be able to recommend a few new authors to me. Thanks so much for the podcast. They are a wonderful addition to the blogs and one of the rare podcasts I listen to as soon as it, as it is available. Also a recommendation of my own. Anyone who loves urban fantasy should really give J.C. Daniels' Blade Colbana Files series a try. I enjoy her books under the Shiloh Walker name, but absolutely adore the J.C. Daniels books. Thanks so much for taking the time to read this email and keep the blog posts and podcasts coming. From Bobby. So, okay, Bloodthirsty, what do you got? Well, I would have recommended Laura Griffin, too. Um, but since she's already uh, identified her, I would I would say Cindy Gerard, although those are more of a military type. She also might like Pamela Clare's I-Team series, although a couple of her heroines are journalists, and one of them I thought was too stupid to love. Like, she would go into the dark park by herself, no weapon to meet a tipster. And bad things would happen to her and then she would have to be saved. So what are you uh, talking about? I do that all the time. Right. So <laughs> I so that irritated me. But I feel like her series gets stronger and stronger as time goes on. But again, I feel like the iTeam series has a slightly more uh, militaristic tone. 
was it Karen Slaughter who wrote the series that made you break your digital, um, your compact, or your, your Hewlett Packard handheld? I have a long diatribe about the book on my blog. Let's see. I actually, the recent Laura Griffin one was really hard for me to get into. I'm going to have to try it again. Oh, Kate Brady uh, is uh, uh, with Grand Central, and I really like her work. And Annie Solomon, also with uh, Hachette, uh, I don't think she writes anymore, but her older works were really good. So I'd recommend those two authors. Kate Brady just has a new release out. Let me tell you what it is. Oh, I like this plan. Where Evil Waits. It's coming out February 25th. Where Evil Waits. Cool. What do you think about um, Maya Banks's romantic suspense, which are really very much sexual and less suspense? Am I remembering that right? The KGI she ha- series? She has romantic suspense books. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't KGI? I mean, there's a guy in a tight shirt with a gun. I mean, I just presume that when he's not having sex, he's fighting crime. <laughs> he's got a gun and a shirt. He's got to fight crime. <laughs> it's the rules. I think I see those books as very relationship, family-oriented their books about these Kelly brothers and so much of the book is about their family connection um, much more so than the romantic suspense. So they're shirtless or tight shirt guys with guns hanging out with their brothers. Right. (laughs) And saving people. So what are you reading right now? Uh, I tried to read this science fiction book, or I guess it's kind of post-apocalyptic, called A Reluctant Companion by Kit Kit Tunstall, but it's pretty bad, so I wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) I'm always reading books I don't want to recommend to anybody. (laughs) Well, I'm reading this thing, but I don't think anyone else should, so no, don't do that. (laughs) Oh, you know what book I did read that I enjoyed? Um, Mia Sheridan's Archer's Voice. the hero is a mute virgin, and he doesn't magically speak at the end. I was r- really worried about that, but he doesn't. He's he's has a throat wound, and it's not doesn't heal. And um, it's a really a sweet romance, and I would recommend it to people. It's still very spicy, but the romance itself, the character development, is real sweet and tender. Oh, Impossible Things is by Kate Johnson. I read. Laura Lynn Page's Forever With You, which is the third book in this trilogy. And the first book was kind of interesting because the heroine was a stalker. She had these over-obsessive tendencies. I thought that was kind of interesting because I'd never read about a heroine like that before. She was actually arrested and had to have a restraining order against her because she was stalking her ex-boyfriend. The third book is just a nonstop juvenile behavior. And I was really disappointed uh, where that went. I read Under Lock by Mariana Zapata, and it's a motorcycle club book, which I liked, but it's super long. I want to say it's like 140,000 words. And that girl, the heroine, could hold, she was like a champion, a Sochi Olympic champion grudge holder. (laughs) (laughs) She gets the gold medal in longstanding grudges. Yeah, geez, the guy kept apologizing and apologizing. and Nope, still mad. Look, you see where we are and you see where the end of the book is, dude? I'm holding this grudge for a couple (laughs) more pages because we are not near the point where I can drop it because there's no other conflict here, so suck it up. (laughs) A couple pages, it was like... um, 12% in? (laughs) No, I want to say like 40%. (laughs) 
And that only covers like three days or something like that. <laughs> oh, no. But I, I mean, I did enjoy it. it. It had some editing issues. I read Staking as Claimed by Tessa Bailey. And God, that book was so short. I felt like I read it in two minutes. Really? Yeah, it was okay. It's not my favorite. My first one, the first one she wrote is my favorite. I felt like this, I feel like she tries to make her books more interesting with interesting plots, but because the book is so short, then the plot gets really um, truncated. Right. And doesn't, the the issues that she brings up don't, doesn't really um, get, don't really get addressed. I didn't read this recently, but it just came out, Reaper's Legacy by Joanna Wilde. I really liked that book. I think Joanna Wilde does an interesting thing with the Motorcycle Club, and I also feel like other people are try- starting to copy her, um, which always is a sign of success. The Motorcycle but, Club elements? No, just not just the Motorcycle Club elements. Although, one thing I'll say about Joanna Wilde, she was a former journalist. Maybe she does still does describe herself as a journalist, but she has interviewed a lot of these one percenters, and she has re- personal relationships with them, and so what she writes comes from a a place of real knowledge. And I think you can kind of see that authenticity in her stories that you don't always get in others. I also appreciate that she's really addressing that issue of, you know, how does a woman fit in into this world that's largely misogynistic? I mean, they're constantly questioning where their place is. And in both books that I've read of hers, the heroine really saves herself in the end and, and her partner. And, that's not always something that you see. You know, you read a lot of romantic suspenses, and it's often the tight-shirted, uh, gun-wielding man that saves the day. I tried to read Driven by Kay Bromberg, which is this indie success. And I can I think I said this last time, I'm like stuck forever at like 25%. <laughs> but that's about it. I have I tried last night and again this morning and then again after, after I ate lunch to read um, the second book in the Inez Kelly um, West Virginia series, The Place I Belong. I really like that the series is set in West Virginia and I really like that it's set with heroes who are in forestry and logging because it's an interesting perspective of what they're doing to the land given that West Virginia and how people do things to the land there is in the news right now. But the, there's two problems I'm having. One, the heroine, when you were talking about how the heroine holds a grudge, the heroine in this book is, um, I believe she's either a forest ranger or she's in charge of a state park. I don't know her exact title. She's really mad at the hero, like super pissed off that his company has bought the land surrounding her park and has brought in these really obnoxious protesting groups to try to interfere with his ability and his company's ability to use any of the land that they now own for logging and forestry. Whereas I just read the first book, so I know that that company's goal is actually to leave as much of the trees standing and take out the ones that are too close or too old or in places where it's not actually beneficial for there to be that many trees so that what's left is a thinned, a slightly thinned out but still viable and useful forest for more and more people. What I'm not, ha- what I'm having a hard time with is A, that the heroine is so angry and in the first and second chapters, she just goes off on him and she's so sure that she's right. And from my perspective, 
I know not only that she's wrong, but she's really not well informed. And it's making me think less of her because you'd think that she lives in a forest. She would know these kinds of things. And there's not a lot she can do about it because they own the land. But rather than explaining her problems and explaining her concerns about the place, she is reacting with absolute outrage and anger. And she is being as much of a pain in the ass of the, in the hero's life as she can. He starts out by in the first scene dealing with the protesters and then finding her and then using his car she pulls out of a parking lot in a jeep and he knows it's her so he follows her down a road and then blocks the road so she can't get through and already i'm thinking that's creepy so the book opens they're already pissed at each other he's behaving in an angry creepy way she's behaving in an angry fire uh, like ferocious way and i think both of these people are really kind of strange because i don't have any reason for them to be that that angry at each other it starts off at like a pissed off level of like nine out of eleven then the next chapter is forced proximity because she's supposed to go away for a weekend in a cabin with no wires and electricity and running water and he decides that he's going to come with her and they're going to live in the cabin together and they're going to work this out. And I'm not buying the forced proximity either because I still think it's kind of creepy because they don't know each other well enough personally but they're angry at each other professionally by all means they should go and be in cabins together it just the forced proximity seems completely unrealistic to me she is so angry and telling him things even when he tries to explain to her what it is that he wants to do she just doesn't even let him finish like you're wrong i know you're wrong you're going to destroy the forest and at one point she talks about how he's going to rip the top off of the mountain i'm like he's not fracking he's a forestry guy he's not mining for crap but her, her, her lack of information is not making me think that she's brave. It make, it's making me think that she's foolish. And she's already so angry and so foolish that I find her really irritating. But I really want to try to read it because I like the setting. This one just is not working for me as much. I did reread Agnes and the Hitman at the end of last month because I was really burnt out and wanted a comfort read. And I thought I was going to enjoy it the second time around. And surprisingly, I didn't like it as much as the first time. I don't know if that's me outgrowing Jennifer Cruzy heroines or if it's the type of story that was I wanted more of the characters and not the, the the crazy plot but with the exception of maybe three women every other female in that book is either an assassin or a horrible horrible person and a lot of the relationships were underexplained in a way that made me enjoy it less but I still love all the food I was talking about this on Twitter with someone that, that you remember books by the food that's cooked in them. And I totally remember this as the Pancakes with Pecans book. What I'm trying to decide is whether or not to read an Edith Layton book next that I got for 99 cents or if I want to read The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out a Window and Disappeared, which is not a romance but something I've been really wanting to read. I'm trying to mix up my romance with not romance reading a little bit so that I can approach each book a little bit more a little bit more clear because I feel like I go from one to the other and then... If I read too many romances in a row, my brain starts to blend the plot details together. There was this one time on um, All About Romance that I uh, wrote in on one of the message boards that I was looking for a book about a country music star who had a one night stand with a girl and then something else happens and something else happens and like all these people were making these suggestions and I'm like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. And I realized what I had done was blended the plot of a book called Angels Flying Too Close to the Ground with the story of a Garth Brooks song. 
which is really not good memory of me. So if my if my brain starts to blend things, I need to start breaking up what I'm reading. I do have a bunch of books I'm looking forward to, but I'm not letting myself read them because they come out in quite a while from now. And by the time I get to talking about them, I want them to not have be, you know, not be part of my distant past memory. But I'm really looking forward to Between the Devil and Ian Eversey by Julian Julie Ann Long, which comes out on March 25th, which is like a good solid two months away. And then Shannon Stacy's Taken With You comes out on the 27th. And that's Haley, the librarian. I could not be more excited about this. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Even, even though the last few Shannon Stacy books have made me like, go, oh, I wish that this had just been a little bit more of that right there. It would have been awesome. Being, being a little disappointed by each one does not in any way diminish the fact that I'm really excited to read this. Oh, I'm so excited. Before we go, our last couple of podcasts generated a lot of reader mail, and I wanted to share some of it with you because it seems like a lot of you had similar reactions. This first message is from Karen, who says, Ladies, what is this ugly cry thing you speak of? I rarely cry, no matter what the situation, and quiet crying while reading is actually something I've never done. Never. Don't think it's possible. Now, I can become angst-filled and torn up about the fate of a character. I'm looking at you, Laura Kinsale, but I don't cry. Perhaps my genetic code is overloaded with stoicism? I don't know. It might be cathartic to sob over a book, but I don't think I'll be finding out. As for the DNF books, the older I get, the more I've become reconciled to not finishing every book I start. I'm nearing the early side of Social Security eligibility. Upside, when I retire, I can read, read, read. Downside, I started doing the math. How many books times number of years of quality reading left? I needed to start calling books out of the TBR mountain, and the best way to do that, aside from never opening some of them, is to stop reading if a book is too flawed or doesn't work for me. And this goes against all of my early training about completing my schoolwork, and I fought it for a while. Now I just get to pat myself on the back when I step over that line and set the book aside. My friggin' grade isn't going to be lowered if I don't finish a book. I'm starting to feel proud when I have a DNF. Please keep the podcast coming. Yours in reading books worth finishing. Karen. Karen, that is so totally true. And it is really hard to set aside a book, especially if it's something that you feel like you ought to finish or there's a reason why you want to, you just feel like you ought to do it. But really, life is too short to spend a lot of time reading books that you're not enjoying. And it's not like we're occurring with any kind of shortage with the number of romances being published. So feel free to DNF your heart's content. And you know, there are just some people who don't cry over books. I don't know what that's like because I cry over commercials, print advertisements, random flyers in the mail. I'm a bit of a crier. But hey, not everyone's like that, and that's okay. And if you are looking for an ugly cry book, Jessie Gage is here to help. And she writes, I did the ugly cry for a tailor-made life, a sweet new adult, I think, romance between leukemia patients. Oh my goodness, cried like an inconsolable baby. So if you're looking for crying catharsis, a tailor-made life apparently is going to make you weep and sob and cry and all kinds of wonderful snuffly things. And finally, I have one more email requesting recommendations. And this is from Darth Clavy or Clavy? I think I got that right. Dear Sarah and Jane, I want to tell you how much I love the podcast. It has kept me sane during the last few months. I work at a school and due to various crazy things, I have two days a week wherein I get at seven get in at seven AM and don't get out till five. Ugh. And that's when your podcast sustains me because I reward myself with listening on the way home. It makes me laugh and it makes people look at me funny on the bus and I don't even care. I'm also looking for some recommendations on what to read because I seem to be going through a bit of a slump where I feel like rereading a lot, like I reread the entire Hathaway series last December just for kicks. 
and feel very reluctant about picking a new book. I enjoy historical romances in the vein of Lisa Kleypas, Julia Quinn, and the like, lighthearted and fluffy, but with some substance. And my only con current contemporary autobuy is Sarah Mayberry, though I do read Jill Shalvis's Lucky Harbor and the Kowalskis, though I haven't loved the last installments. More than anything, I like good guy heroes, guys who aren't jerks, but can still be pretty manly and awesome. I don't think we get enough of those. Thanks so much for doing the podcast and keeping me sane, even as my students threaten to drive me absolutely insane. I think that rereading is a very good thing when your brain is really, really tired. And if your brain wants to reread, give it what it wants. Nothing wrong with that. That's why good books exist. You can reread them. However, if you're looking for new books with really nice guy heroes and some lighthearted and sort of friendly, happy historicals, First, you should try Kate Noble, which I talk about on the podcast a lot, but you would probably really, really like The Summer of You. It is kind of exactly the, the historical that you're looking for. It's a little bit different. It takes place out of London. It's got some really interesting character conflict. And then from there, you can read the rest of the books that she's written about that sort of extended group of friends and family. But The Summer of You is where I would start, first of all. Another historical author you might like is Teresa Romaine, who also writes a good number of good guy heroes. She had three books that each one released in October. So there's October 2011, 2012, and 2013. And they're all the season of something, but I always get them mixed up. There's one that's the season of temptation, and then there's one that's the season of scandal, and then there's one of, I don't know, the season of Febreze. I, I'm really bad at titles, but Teresa Romaine would probably make you very happy because she's also funny and light but each piece of the story is deliberate and the characters are nice and interesting but above all for nice guy heroes elise recently wrote on smart bitches about how edith layton's books are her comfort reads in particular because she writes nice guys and three edith layton's right now are 99 cents it could be even four at this point but I will put a link in the entry to this podcast so that you can go find that entry with it. At least talked about all of the different books that she loves from Edith Layton's backlist. That might be the most perfect thing for you to read right now when your brain is so exhausted. And I hope your schedule improves very soon and that those are suggestions that are helpful. And that's about it. If you have ideas for suggestions for any of the people who wrote in looking for books to read, please email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 1201371DBSA. Either way, we like to know what you think, and if you have suggestions or recommendations of books that we ought to be reading, or books that the people who wrote in want to read, please share, because we do these weekly, and we love when you participate. It's really fun. The music that you are hearing? Yes, of course, that's totally Pete Bog. This is the Pete Bog Fairies. This song is called Dunbeg. I think I've got that right. I understand that my pronunciation of the last Irish title was not completely horrible, so I hope I'm two for two there. This is from Pete Bogberry's album Dust, and I will have information about where you can purchase this song or the whole album, because it's awesome and you should totally own it. It is all the best ringtone, ringtones, I'm telling you. Just nonstop ringtones of excellence and really good loudness, too. You will hear these songs if they start coming out of your phone and your phone's on the bottom of your bag, and so will everyone else in the waiting room. It's great when that happens, right? No, it's actually totally not. This podcast is also brought to you by Intermix, and they want you to know about Christina Lee's brand new ebook, Before You Break, a beautiful and emotional new adult romance about a bad boy on the edge and the girl who's about to fall hard. This book comes out on February 18, and it will be available wherever ebooks are sold. And thank you to Penguin, Intermix, New American Library, 
and Berkeley for sponsoring the podcast because it's really awesome that you do so. So thank you very much for doing that. I have received many suggestions of authors that we should try to interview at RT, and I'm going to try to make this happen. But in particular, if there's someone who you would love for us to find an interview, please email us or leave a comment on the entry or even find us on Twitter. Just let us know who you'd like us to interview and what you'd like us to ask them about. If you've got questions, we will find you some authors and we will get you some answers because, well, it's RT and we all just sort of wander around bumping into each other for four days. It's really awesome. And if you're listening and you're going to RT and it's your first RT and you don't know anyone, please reach out to us because we would love to meet you. It would be very fun. I'm aiming to do as many interviews as I could possibly carry, which is a lot because it's digital and they don't weigh anything, kind of like eBooks. But if you have ideas of who or what I should be asking, please let us know. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and I hope wherever you are it is warm and there is not snow and ice like there is here, Jane and I wish you the very best of reading, and thank you for listening. 